Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. Good morning, y'all. Man, thank you guys so much for just pressing in there. You know, it makes such a difference when we're willing to uh, engage with the Holy Spirit in worship. Amen? Amen. Significant difference. So let me just say this. As I've been praying over the past few days, uh, I've just felt like the Lord has kind of resurfaced and highlighted a few truths in my heart. And uh, I'm going to share with you today. We'll be pretty quick today. Uh, But I just believe if you can grab a hold of this, that you'll find it'll be a blessing and encouragement to your life, especially in the season that we're in, not just with Thanksgiving being this Thursday, but also uh, with Christmas coming up as well. So let's pray and uh, we'll hop in to the word of God. So Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Lord, I thank you for their hunger and their desire, God, to know you. God, you said in your word, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so, Lord, we come today, God, hungry. God, we come expecting today, God, to receive from heaven. And so, Lord, we open up our hearts wide today, God, and however you want to fill it, Lord, we ask that you would fill it. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you that you have the ability to meet every one of us exactly where we're at. And so, Lord, we say, simply ask that you would do that today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I want to begin by telling you this. Um, Earlier uh, this year, while I was uh, tucking our oldest son into bed, uh, basically I was going through the process, you know, whatever that you do with your kids. And and in the middle of that, he looked up at me and he quoted Philippians 4.13. I'm sure most of you in this room are familiar with this verse. But he looked up at me and he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, how many of you guys know when your 11-year-old son says that, you kind of get a little, yeah, like dad moment, that was awesome. And uh, I want you to know that incredible moment, much as I love my son, it didn't last long because uh, he immediately looked up at me with this mischievous smile on his face and he said, so dad, does that mean I can do this in Christ? Now, I'm not going to tell you what this is, but if you want to use your imagination, you can insert a uh, 11-year-old boy's sense of humor with a little giggle attached to the end of it and you may come up with something fun. So anyways, but, but I'll say this, uh, you know, even though his question was a bit silly and possibly even uncalled for, uh, I didn't correct him in that moment. The reason I didn't correct him is because uh, I knew it was done in innocence. And if you are a parent, then you know what that's like. But uh, instead, what I thought was at that moment, literally that moment, I thought, man, maybe I can show him a better way. Like, I felt in my heart as a dad, like, this is probably a really good opportunity to teach him that we as believers uh, need to and should actually interpret the Bible within the context of which it was written. Now, I said a little different for him, but but you get the point. I was like, okay, man, so so let's see what it says in context. So I encouraged him to grab his Bible, and I said, look, I want you to, I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to turn to Philippians 4, and I want you to actually read to me the verses that come before verse 13 and the verses that come after it, and, uh, and I want to show you something. And so, because uh, he's wired like me, he grabs his Bible, you know, enthusiasm flips over there, and he finds it, and he begins to read the words of Paul that Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. And he said this, starting in verse 10. He began to read, he said, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. So how I, Paul, praise the Lord that you, the church of Philippi, are concerned about me again. He said, I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. 
And then he said this, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content. Can somebody say content? He said, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. And he said, I know how to live on almost anything or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Key verse, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Last verse, even so you have done well to share with me in my difficult or my present difficulty. Now, I want you to know that that night when my son uh, finished reading those handful of verses, uh, something happened that I didn't expect. Because the truth is, is I was, you know, dad in the room and I was going to teach my son a Bible lesson. Uh, little did I know that the teacher, the Holy Spirit, wanted to teach this guy a lesson instead, right? Which ironically came from hearing verse 13 in context. So the very lesson I was trying to use to teach my kids something, God actually used it to me, uh, used it with me to open my eyes up. Now let me show you what he told me or what I began to see. Uh, it's simply this, for over 20 years, anytime I had ever heard someone, including myself, either pray, quote, declare, confess, whatever word you want to use, Philippians 4.13, they usually did it because they were in a, uh, a difficult, they had some kind of difficult task or a difficult endeavor that they were facing. In other words, that they knew that they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, man, if, if God doesn't come through, then there's no way this is going to be accomplished. And so they would pray or declare or confess, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Has anybody ever done that in here? Yeah, so me too, like a thousand times, and I got no beef with it, and I'm sure we'll all leave here today and still do the same thing, right? But, but here's what I want to see, is that when we actually stop long enough, we begin to read it in context. Once again, we find that when Paul wrote these words, he wasn't necessarily talking about a task at hand. Rather, he was talking about a position of the heart. Watch this. Paul was telling the church in Philippi that he had personally discovered that through Christ he could be content, meaning he could be satisfied, he could be fulfilled, he could be at peace literally in all things or in any situation that ever came his way. Whether he had, once again, a full stomach or an empty stomach, or if he had a lot or if he only had a little, or if it was positive or negative, it didn't matter. He said, I can be content. Now, let me bring that and put that in my words today. I think Paul was saying that he had come to the realization that the measure of joy and the measure of satisfaction in his life, he learned that it could no longer be determined by his current situation. Amen? Rather, it needed to come from his relationship through Christ. Amen? So, and I think when you actually stop and begin to dig in a little bit, this portion of Scripture actually holds more weight and has greater impact when you realize that Paul was talking about being content and you realize that he wrote it from a prison. Now, to be clear, he didn't write it from a prison like we have today. Right? He wrote it from a prison way back then. We would call that way different, right? Yeah. Yes. So, listen, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I honestly don't think in the 20-plus years that I've been a Christian up to literally that point that I have ever viewed this promise that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me through the lens of contentment. You know, it's funny how when we actually, because so often in the church we pick this and we say it, we pick that and we say it. It's amazing how things can actually change and our perspective changes on verses when we actually read and hear them within the context of which God wrote them. Amen? 
So, so listen, as I've thought about Paul's words over the past number of months, I keep coming back to a conclusion that I think every single one of us in this room are going to be able to relate to. And it's simply this, is that I think most of us in this room probably struggle with being content in all the situations we find ourselves in in this life. Right? We may express it or we may not express it, but I think the reality is, is that we struggle with contentment. Yes? Now, listen, we could throw almost any situation, any scenario out there, and it would relate. It could be about our marriage. It could be about our relationship with our children. It could be a job. It could be the way we're doing school at the moment. It could be a friendship. It could be how much money we have in the bank. It could be about our home, about a vehicle, right? I'm just trying to get you to think about our nation. It could be about the church, right? It could even be about your relationship with God. God, and more importantly, it could maybe even be about how you feel about yourself inside. So the question is, is man, is like, are we really content? Are we really satisfied? Are we really fulfilled and at peace in our lives? Are y'all hearing me today? Now, just to kind of say one thing to get out of the way, because maybe it's important for some, but for most it won't be. But let me just throw this out there just in case. I think we can maybe say that, for lack of a better word, this void on the inside of us comes because we live in a society uh, that breeds a lack of contentment, right? That, that listen, that there's no doubt that we are constantly bombarded with the message to, uh, to be happy, we need more, we need bigger, we need better, we need newer things, right? And we need what? Fewer problems, that somehow there's this message that is permeating, and it starts even with little children in the school system that says this, that you deserve and you are entitled to a better life than the one you have. But I want us to think about something, gang. In all reality, are any of us one purchase away from contentment? <laughs> but that's the way they act, right? Listen, are any of us ever capable of avoiding all the problems and the troubles in this life? Absolutely not. You can't dodge them, right? Are any of us uh, more deserving than the next fellow? Absolutely not. So if I can maybe throw this out there to you, maybe the issue isn't so much the influence that we're getting from the world as much as it has something to do with the issues of our heart. Right? In fact, I just believe, here's, here's Solomon. I'm going to read a verse out of Ecclesiastes in a second. Here's the, the wisest man that's ever lived outside of Jesus Christ himself. And he basically said this about the way uh, people are. He said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. He said, rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Just apply that maybe to your life for a second, right? He says, then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. In other words, just a cycle. He said, everything is wearisome beyond description. Now listen to this last part. He says, no matter how much we, including himself, how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. Man, I think this is true, right? As humans, we are typically unsatisfied literally with, with uh, what we have and where we are at in life. Because after all, it's kind of like this thing, when is enough really ever enough? Right? Like, when is, when is something perfect in our mind? When do we kind of get to the point like, oh, we've arrived? The truth is, is like never. <laughs> yes? Ever. So, so listen, with those words in mind, I want you to listen to what uh, the late Charles Spurgeon, uh, the great preacher, what he said concerning basically man's human nature in response kind of to this verse here. He said this. He said, you say, if I had a little more, I should be very satisfied. 
says you make a mistake. If you are not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. Man, that is so true, right? Like I keep thinking this morning, like going back to uh, the little apartment that used to be a classroom in a Christian school that was the first place Jennifer and I ever lived together compared to where we're at now. And it's funny, the same thoughts I had then, I have now with the house that we own. Am I right? It's crazy, right? And so maybe if I can put it this way, uh, you know, to ask you a question. Did, did your last new cell phone, <laughs> right? Did, did your, the, the, the better vehicle or the bigger toy or the new pair of shoes or the new pair of uh, whatever, new article of clothing, the financial increase, whatever it is that you just thought that you just had to have, man, did it really bring long-term contentment and satisfaction to your heart? The answer is absolutely not. And here's why, okay? And this is just a little point I want to throw up top, okay? Because I think we all know that here, but really, why do we have that? And the answer is really simple. It's because as God's children, right, that he created us, us in his image, guess what? That we were never designed to be content or satisfied with the things of this world. So, so the thought is, is this, and I'm, listen, I'm not saying God's against us having things or God, you know, God is wanting us to go live nomad lives. Because the truth is this, as I have met people in the day and age we're living in that have stripped down everything and they've tried to live a minimalist life. And I want you to know those people got rid of everything. They're just as, uh, just as much having a lack of contentment as people who got all the stuff. That is truth, okay? So, so listen to what John said. Once again, we're not to be content or satisfied with things in this world. He said this in 1 John 2.15. He said, don't love the world's ways. Grab a hold of that, please. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. He said, practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. Ouch, Right? has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. And this says the world and all of its wanting, wanting, and wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Like Jesus, please give us a heart that wants to live for eternity. Amen? So now listen to what Paul told Timothy. It's a great lesson here. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain. When accompanied by contentment. Let me pause here for a moment. Do you understand that he said when it's accompanied by contentment, it's great gain? So I mean this, you can go read the Bible for hours a day, you can go pray for hours a day, you can do all your stuff, but if you're not content in your heart, what really great gain is all of that? There's a marriage between godliness and contentment that needs to come if we want to have great gain in the kingdom and on the inside of us. Amen? 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 So then it says in verse 7, once again, bring it back to the world's idea. It says, for we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it. We've all thought about that. We sat at a funeral before, right? And then it says, if we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. If your needs are met, with these we shall be content. 
So once again, just with those two short passages in mind, once again, as a reminder, because I'm trying to reiterate that, man, this would get down in our spirits, get down in our hearts. It would grow that to understand that the things of this world will never satisfy, they'll never fulfill us, we'll never be at peace with the things of this world, we'll never be content with the things of the world. Because once again, that's, we're just not wired that way. You'll keep shooting at a missing target if you think that's the goal of life. Amen? All right. So I think we all kind of maybe have that. Hope so. Okay. But, but what I want to do for the next few minutes, I actually want to turn it from looking at things on the outside, things that we want, whatever. And let's actually go to the inside of where most of us actually struggle with the lack of contentment. Right? Because it's not all the time about us chasing something new. A lot of times it's just how we feel on the inside that we're unsettled, we're not happy, we're not content. Am I making sense to anybody today? So, so how do we know if we're struggling with a lack of contentment? Okay, And once again, you can think about those areas, your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your job. Think about whatever here. Just try to apply this to your life in some way. Okay, Here's how. Because a lack of contentment will typically produce these kind of things in our lives. We will become nitpicky and negative towards the seemingly insignificant details and small things in our lives and relationships. Let, let me put it like this. Have you ever found yourself, especially if you're married in the room, where you start arguing and bickering and fighting with one another and you realize, man, what we are arguing about is so silly and so stupid, it's pointless. Why? What's the cause? Now watch this. Next one. We will begin to inwardly and outwardly complain to God, ourselves, and anybody else that will listen. Right? Next one. We'll become easily frustrated, causing our attitude to be irritable and the words of our mouth to be full of negativity. Boy, that's got me more times than I can shake a stick at. We'll struggle with feelings of depression and hopelessness. We'll become distracted from the things that we should, uh, that should be the most important things in our lives. Have you ever been that way that you're chasing something like it's going to bring contentment in your life and you're missing out on the real meaning of life, like what actually matters? Like I think about this, like how many guys are chasing this dream and their wife and their children are at home, Right? So, so name whatever it is, okay? Or, or it's maybe this. Maybe we're chasing all this and we're, and we're not spending any time with Jesus, right? So whatever it is, once again, however you want to apply it. And I think this, another way that it, that it comes in our lives is this, is we become disappointed in our marriage. We become disappointed in our friendships, our job, our ministry opportunities, etc. Just going down your list, right? Or even this, and this is really why we get disappointed, is because we start comparing our lives, our relationships, our possessions, our jobs, our gifts, and our callings to someone else's. So I just asked, has, has anyone else ever been there other than me? Because <laughs> I think I've done everyone on the list, Right? So, so, but I want to tell you today, I want to I get actually a little bit more transparent. I'm going to show you, because I'm, I'm giving you all of this so I can get to the point of what I'm about to tell you, because I'm hoping we'll grab a hold of this for, uh, not just for the next month, but just let it get down in our hearts, right? We begin to live a little different. But here's how it hit home for me. Um, back in 2017, my wife went to TJ Maxx, and she bought these two little journals right here, Okay. And these two little journals, uh, basically, you probably can't see it, but on the cover, it simply says grateful on it, okay? And, and then, it, then it has a little definition here. It says it's an adjective, and it says uh, warmly or deeply appreciative 
of kindness or benefits received and thankful. So, so if you open up Jennifer's on the inside of it, uh, she basically on the cover, right? I won't read it to you. That's mine. On the inside of it, she, she basically wrote how she felt like when she was in the store, the Lord led her to go buy these two books for us and kind of what her, what her prompting was, her impression was what the Lord wanted to do uh, with these books if we were willing to sit down and, and basically daily, because it has little blocks, and to write down for the day, here's what we're grateful for, okay? And so I think that sounds good, right? More than likely, uh, the ladies here are like, that's a good idea. Most men are like, uh. So that's, that's okay. <laughs> That's probably true. Okay, but listen, uh, but being completely transparent with you today, uh, listen, if you, look at, if you look at Jen's copy, you'll see that she has somewhere around 120, right, uh, 120 journal entries of where she said that she was grateful about something or, or simply what was happening in that life. She was very honest and very real in this, but, but most of the days it's, it's her saying, Lord, here's what I'm thankful for. Here's what I'm grateful for. But if you look inside of my copy... Uh, you will literally find that I never made one single entry in the book. Okay, don't, don't laugh at me too hard. All right, so here we go. So, so I think for a while, Jen thought I was absolutely blowing her off in this. Now I will say this is not my natural thing. I'm not a journal guy that journals. I'm not a guy that goes and writes. It's just not the way I'm wired, right? But, but um, you know, I, I didn't blow her off. What I did was is I still went because I knew it meant something to her, okay, even though my guy side was kind of struggling with it just shooting straight but I still took it and I and there was times I'd open it up and and I would sit there and I'd begin to think and I'd be like man what what am I grateful for like what am I thankful for and I would I don't know I don't know what I'm grateful for and, and listen in my head like most of you, you know, I knew God has blessed me with a wonderful life, right? Like, like, is it perfect? No, but man, God's fingerprints, you can go back years and years. Ever since I've said, Jesus, I'm yours, man, God's fingerprints have been all over my life. Uh, yet there remain time and time again, I pick up this little book, absolutely clueless of what I'd write. And after that happened, a number of times I finally said, man, forget it. I, I closed it and I put it on the shelf and I haven't touched it until this week. Am I making sense, y'all? Now, to be completely honest with you, um, it wasn't until this week that I realized why I struggled so bad with this, okay? And I had other reasons in my head, but reality came this week. And it's because of this. I felt like the Lord showed me the reason I couldn't actually sit down and put in words, put, give a language to what I was thankful for is because at the end of the day, I had a lack of contentment in my heart and life, Right? And, and I just think this, if there's a point maybe you can grab today, is simply this, we'll throw it up on the screen, is this, is that a lack of contentment will suffocate the feelings and expression of gratitude right out of our hearts. Man, that a lack of contentment, once again, doesn't matter the situation, will suffocate the feelings and the expression of gratitude right out of our hearts. Now listen, if that is true, and I believe it is, the good news is this, is that, guess what, it means the opposite is true as well. Please don't miss this, which means that our gratitude has the ability to produce contentment in our hearts. That our willingness, right, and intentionality of having gratitude, it actually has the ability to produce contentment in our hearts. 
Now, listen, I'm going to assume that most people in this room have at one point in your life, right, no matter how spiritual you are and how mature you are in the Lord, you've had your times where you have lacked contentment. So, man, when we are finding ourselves in a place of a lack of contentment, how do we swing the pendulum and how do we find gratitude and thankfulness once again? Because the truth is, as every one of us in this room, man, life is life and life is difficult, right? And we all got reasons to stay here. Yes? But, but we all got a reasons to go here, too, if we had opened up our heart to the Lord. Amen? And so I just think this, okay? I personally believe that godly contentment, you throw up the next slide, begins by recognizing that Jesus is enough. Like, we could stop there, go home on that, right? Like, that godly contentment begins by recognizing that Jesus is enough and his grace is really sufficient in all things. Like, if we could understand in life, like, man, all these pursuits that we have, and there's not a single person in this room that, uh, single person in this room that isn't driven in some way, that doesn't have some kind of pursuit, if we could maybe pull back and bring a little reality check to our own lives and to realize just for a moment, man, those things are not enough. They'll never be enough, right? They'll always leave us empty. They may be satisfying for a moment, but, man, if we really want to live fulfilled lives, then guess what? We have to come to the conclusion where Jesus is enough amen and i just think it's this that we understand as that old book goes man that he is enough in the good times and in the worst of times right to understand that his grace is just as sufficient on the mountaintop as it is in the valley right to understand that it's from a godly uh contentment that says this and declares this says god is good he is faithful therefore he is trustworthy at all times and see there's that spot where it goes i may not understand everything that's going on but because god is good i'll trust him in the process amen here's the truth guys if you want to walk with god is there any other option no, there's really not, right? Like, if you want to make it through, if you want to really walk with him, then you got to hold on tight, and you got to trust him. Yeah. Amen? So, so I'll just say this. Um, listen, I don't know about you, but I think for me personally, because I'm trying to do better at recognizing when I'm struggling with this, okay? And I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to go, okay, let me remember the truths from the Bible. Let me remember the promises from the Bible. Because I, I don't think if I actually put myself in a position where I begin to pray and I begin to declare and I begin to speak out and begin to thank God basically for who he is and what he's done in my life, it's, it's, it's going to be really difficult to remain in an area where I, where I lack contentment. And the reason is because when you start talking about the goodness of God and who he's been in your life and you begin to sing. That's so why I asked Tommy a while ago to sing, can you do that? Faithful. Because that's been where my mind's been at all week, man, that God is faithful. Yeah. Think about what we've been through over the last months. Man, God has been faithful. Yeah. Right? And it's in that, guess what happens? When I begin to declare that stuff, discontentment begins to lose its grip on me. It begins to lose its power. And what happens is, is worship begins to fill my mouth and I can't help but to praise him. Right? I just think this, man, if you can understand that, when we come Sunday mornings, we start worshiping. Who are those that are really engaging in worship? Man, it's those who are grateful. It's those who are thankful. See, Jesus said something really powerful. He said, those who have been forgiven much, loveth much. Man, how could I not give him praise? How could I not give him my worship, right? Am I making sense to anybody? So, so I'll just simply say this. Where the world breeds discontentment. Godly contentment will actually begin to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of worship in us if we'll let it. Yes. Now, let me kind of see if I can land this thing for a second. We're almost done. But I just think this. Have you ever, have you ever met people that it seemed like it doesn't really matter what their life looks like, they're never going to be content? 
Right? I mean, you could show up on their doorstep and have them $3 million and they'd still be the depressed, hopeless person, same person the next day. Okay, if you haven't met that person, come hang out with me. <laughs> I can introduce you to some, okay? So, so I'll just say this. It, it's this, that if for this to happen in our lives, what we're talking about, we must first be willing to come to a place of contentment concerning God's plan for our lives, or we will never be content. Like, can we just be settled in our hearts and not try to be something that we're not and just go, you know what, God, this is the plan you have for me, and I'm good. Watch this. God, that's the wife you gave me. Thank you. God, that's the husband you gave me. Thank you. God, that's the children you gave me. Thank you. Are y'all hearing me today? God, this is the job that you blessed me with that I was absolutely thrilled about that you gave it to me 10 years ago, and now I hate it. God, what's, been, what's wrong? Right? We could even say the same thing. God, that's the, the wife you gave me 20 years ago. I loved her then. Why do I hate her guts now? Come on, let's get real, Right? Like, like, God, like, like, bring me back. Bring me back to where I'm grateful again, right? Where I see your hand and your fingerprints and your blessing and your touch, where you led me and let me be thankful. Amen? Amen. Because once again, listen, if we are not willing to be satisfied, if we're not willing to be fulfilled, if we're not willing to be at peace in Christ, guess what? We never will be. Amen? All right, so let me give you a few quick thoughts here because I don't want people to think that I'm saying some things today that I'm not. Okay, so let me swing this and bring some balance to this, and we'll get out the door. So I think this. If you're hearing this today, don't receive the lie that contentment will make you passive. Okay? Listen, don't believe that if you're content in the Lord, then that means you become idle in the Lord. Don't believe that if you become content that you'll begin to settle for less. Or if this is that if you become, if you become content that somehow you'll surrender your authority in God. Why am I saying that? Because listen, uh, I think to me some of the most powerful prayer warriors are those who are content in the Lord. Amen? It's those who are not content in the Lord. All they want to do is pray about all their struggles and all their needs and nothing really ever gets done in the kingdom. Because they're a mess internally. But if we can be content in the Lord and understand the authority that God's given us, in faith we can begin to pray and we can begin to change regions and atmospheres. Y'all hear me today? Yes. So listen, as a nation right now, I, I'm not saying, man, we roll over and just play dead and act like everything's okay. It's not okay. The church needs to rise, right? We need to pray, right? We need to believe God. Amen? So, and the last thing is this, is don't believe the lie that contentment somehow will stun our spiritual growth and our pursuit for the things of God. Because the truth is, is everything that's on that list, as you see at the bottom, and the exact opposite is true. And here's why I believe that. I believe that a content Christian is a moldable and a surrendered Christian. This is huge. And the outcome of a moldable or surrendered Christian is not only a powerful weapon in the hand of God, but it's also a great threat. He is a great threat. She is a great threat to the kingdom of darkness. So if we can land on this today, man, what would happen if we actually begin to heed the words in context of the Apostle Paul? We begin to invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and begin to teach us how to live in all situations with godly contentment. Man, how different would our worlds be? How different would our marriages be? How different would our relationship with Jesus be? How different would we view our kids? How different would I view that little dog I got at the house right now? And a little puppy, right? Jesus, help me. Am I making sense? So I just think this, because why? At the end of the day, it is true. We can 
do all things, any situation, right? We can do all things through Christ who what? Supernaturally will strengthen us. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.